Hey, hello everybody. Hope you're doing well. It's Steph. It's, uh, oh my heavens, I'm out of work early. It's 10 to 5 on Friday, the 2nd of June, 2006. Goodness to gracious me, I do believe that my second major software project in a row is going to be delivered ahead of time on, uh, on spec. And I'm telling you, this new way of doing stuff really working out beautifully. If you have any questions, just post them on the board. I don't claim to invent it, but it really does work to go from the user interface down when selling software solutions. So I'm very pleased. I think it's working out very well. So this afternoon, <laughs> so I guess you've already heard the uh, podcast from this morning, uh, so I won't uh, describe it. I don't think it came out too badly. That's the Zen Vision M being held, and I didn't even try and calibrate the volume levels because I was driving and it was risky enough to get it booted up to the right screen. Uh, so that's the Zen Vision M. Uh, I think it's not bad. It's mm, comprehensible, and of course the quality went down with the bit, uh, with the uh, bitrate degradation that comes down to 40 kps. So not too bad. I highly, highly recommend the product, the Zen Vision M. Especially now that it's Audible compatible, I use the uh, Audible audiobook system. But just remember, of course, that if you have Windows 2000, unless you're willing to hack it yourself like I did, your SOL, as far as getting it to talk to the Zen Vision, it needs XP, uh, I guess, Service Pack 2 or higher. So, uh, But a fantastic product. Um, it's nice because uh, compared to the Apple iPod, um, the iPod didn't play WMV files, WMA files, sorry, which I have a lot of. And it also only plays QuickTime video, which is like, I don't know, an hour's worth of computing time for an hour's worth of uh, video in terms of transferring the uh, format. Whereas this one plays uh, XVID and DivX and uh, WMVs and MPEGs, and it's got a pretty wide selection of formats, and that's pretty cool, I think. And the screen is uh, brighter and better. And so of the two, I would certainly recommend going with the Vision M. Uh, It is really a fantastic player. But uh, I think you'll have to shell out for a decent case. I got a good one for about 18 bucks, but it's well worth it. I spent 379 Canadian on this thing, and I've been very pleased with it. Uh, it's just fantastic. So I hope that uh, you're having a fantastic... Gosh, I guess people listening to this on uh, Saturday, I hope you're having a great Saturday. As I mentioned, I'm going to be on vacation this week. My uh, The CEO begged me to come back in for a meeting on Monday, so I'll briefly be doing that, and then he's going to, I know he's going to beg me to come out for dinner with these clients, because I'm fairly sociable, and uh, so uh, I'll probably have to fight him off on that, but we'll see see what happens, but I did manage to wrestle out of him for coming in for a couple of hours, that I'm going to take an extra two days of vacation, because I did book this vacation, now he needs me to come in, so it's always good to negotiate, <laughs> it's always good to negotiate. Now, this afternoon, we will be talking about an interesting topic that came up when I was reading through uh, Maclean's magazine, which is a Canadian magazine, which I read somewhat, I think last weekend I read the story about the snipers or the weekend before. So it's a Canadiana-type magazine, and it's not as statist as it used to be, but now it's it's taken the right-wing thing, too, which is like somehow they believe that irritation at specific state policies is somehow going to solve problems, and this is sort of what the topic is today. So we're talking a little bit of political philosophy with a smattering of philosophy and a staggering, nay, a mind-bending absence of relationships and religion. So uh, for those who are not so big into the relationship stuff and not so big into the um, uh, into the uh, uh, theological stuff, this is the podcast for two 
Also, somebody on the board uh, just goes, you know, it's important to ramble before you get to the topic. <laughs> somebody on the board was saying, why are there all these women showing up? And it's true. They're pumping up like uh, like uh, spring daisies, uh, the women on the board. And I think that's wonderful. I'm very glad they're joining the conversation. And uh, so uh, if you're a lurker out there of the estrogenical persuasion, we invite you to join us. <laughs> join us! Christina likes it uh, that there are more women on the board now. And I think it might have something to do with the fact that uh, um, uh, now that we're not just talking about uh, all of the abstract abstract topics, that it's a good entree uh, for uh, for women if we uh, get into some of the relationship stuff. Certainly that's the stuff that Christina's more interested in. She likes the other stuff, but she doesn't really want to participate in it because uh, you kind of have to have read this stuff for like years and years and years and argued yourself hoarse on many, many occasions before you often, before you feel comfortable with this stuff, but she loves getting into the stuff around uh, relationships and, uh, uh, and the family stuff and all that. So uh, we're very, very glad to have you all with us. Um, I guess, what is it, Free, free Thought? Or is it Free? Not Free. Uh, free Talk Live. They have a shrine of female listeners. I don't think we'll be doing that. But uh, I certainly do appreciate the avatars that are up there. They're all pretty funny. So in this McLean's magazine, there's sort of two, two articles that I read yesterday that I think are sort of interesting. The first is that, I don't know what the ratio is like in the States, but I find this kind of funny. So in Canada, we have 65,000 people in the military, like on the military payroll. And we have another 20,000 reservists. And <laughs> so it's, you know, 85,000 people in total who are uh, being paid by the military. And we have a grand total of how many troops we can deploy? We, uh, we, we have a grand total of just under 5,000 troops that we can deploy. I think that's just fantastic. <laughs> I mean, talk about an inverted pyramid of payroll and expertise. I just think that's fantastic. I mean, can you imagine a private sector organization to, that to support 5,000 line workers, you need 80,000 other people? I mean, what is this, a school board? Anyway, I just think that's kind of funny. So when people talk about, well, how on earth could a free society defend itself? Well, even if you don't buy the couple of nukes argument, which I've made before, well... The, the only answer that I can be absolutely sure of is how can a society that is free of government protect itself? Well, a hell of a lot more cheaply than a state-run society where, of course, the military is a bunch of bureaucrats with a couple of soldiers thrown in for PR. I mean, that's really uh, what the military is. A whole lot of bureaucrats, defense contractors, people sucking off the public teat, and a couple of uh, soldiers throw in because photographs of, you know, fat bespectacled, uh, people sitting behind a desk uh, doesn't uh, doesn't help for the recruiting posters, right? Or as uh, somebody uh, I can't remember where on the net uh, said, uh, you know, the U.S. Army slogan, "An army of one." <laughs> well, it's like given the recruiting goals, that's probably about three months away, right? <laughs> Which I think is pretty good. So that was one article I thought was kind of funny. Now the second one was a um, an article about this guy Anderson Cooper who's on CNN. I don't know much about him. He's a son of Gloria Vanderbilt, and his brother committed suicide in a most horrible kind of way. Um, and uh, he himself, his life has been a complete mess in, in a lot of ways, sort of personally. And the only thing I think I've really noticed about Anderson Cooper is that, uh, you know, he, I just saw him once flipping through the channels. I saw him interviewing some U.S. soldier in Iraq, you know, one of these tall, crew-cut, square-jawed, built-like-a-tank kind of Sergeant Slaughter characters, and 
I mean, he basically was... I thought it was homoerotic the way he was about to rub himself up against this military guy. And, of course, there are some questions about his homosexuality or non-homosexuality, like that matters. But just the way he was... uh, He looked like he was about to apply baby oil to this guy's earlobes and go to town. It was just such a shiver of (laughs) near-erotic delight, which you often see in the uh, media, this this fetishistic uh, uh, love of the paid killers. It really is quite astounding. But... I guess his big claim to fame, this guy, is... I I never saw any of this coverage, of course, as I don't really like to watch TV news. I just find it's like... uh, I I, I like to get my fairy tales from the Brothers Grimm rather than uh, CNN. But uh, this uh, Anderson Cooper was apparently out there in in New Orleans during the, the, the disasters there. And you know, bodies all over the place and so on. And he, I guess, spent some time there when he was a kid, so he felt, you know, kind of bound up emotionally to this. And so he was there and visibly emotional and so on. And apparently this was reported, and I haven't seen it, but I assume that the report is correct, that he was interviewing some senator about New Orleans. And the senator was saying, well, you know, the president has done great, and I've gotten all the resources I need from this guy and that guy and this other guy, and Brown did fantastic, and we're all, you know, this was basically this orgy love fest of of, uh, cross-congratulations. And Anderson Cooper apparently, you know, lips trembling, eyes moist, said something like, you know, but Senator, I've just been down in New Orleans for four days and seen hundreds of bodies floating around in a fetid third-world cesspool of destruction and human waste, how is it that you guys are sitting all here congratulating each other when so many people have died? And the reason that this sort of stuck in my mind is this the kind of stuff that you hear, right? And people are considered to be real heroes for saying this kind of stuff, you know, like this. Like there's any real risk to Anderson Cooper, right? <laughs> CNN reporter arrested, sent to Abu Ghraib. I think not. Um, but... The reason that this sort of stuck with me was that somebody has been posting on the Freedom Man Radio boards this uh, congressional records of Ron Paul. And Ron Paul, sort of, for those who don't know, who, who aren't in America, he's sort of known as Dr. No because he votes no for all this government stuff. And he's a libertarian who got in under the Republican ticket. He was a Republican for a while. He got voted out. He came back. He's sort of libertarian. But he knew that if he went on the libertarian uh, ticket that he'd be associated with all of the, uh, oh, uh, I don't know, how to... How to say this without uh, getting flamed uh, by every libertarian candidate and wannabe and voter in the world. Some of the more questionable elements of the libertarian uh, party uh, uh, inhabitants, the denizens of the libertarian party. And so he went on the libertarian, and then, sorry, on the Republican platform, he got voted in, and now he's... And you see him occasionally, I saw him once or twice, and I've downloaded a speech or two of his from Mises, where he's uh, thundering away to a, uh, an empty, or, or if not totally empty, largely empty, and completely indifferent uh, chamber. And so he thunders away about how uh, part of the OPEC deal in the 70s, and I want to do some work on this because I think this is really fascinating, part of the OPEC deal that was negotiated in the 70s between the U.S. and, and OPEC was that all um, uh, oil trade, uh, oil um, uh, transactions were to be conducted in U.S. dollars. 
I have no idea whatsoever. It's absolutely fascinating. Uh, Venezuela, Iraq, and now Iran are those who are trying to get out of this and, and do it in, in euros and so on. Because, of course, that keeps the demand for U.S. dollars artificially high, which means that inflation and depreciation aren't going to occur as rapidly despite the, the, uh, the growth in national debt and overspending and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'll do some more research on that. I do think it's a fascinating topic. Not shocking, but uh, it's always uh, interesting when you see just another level of uh, weird financial uh, sort of sliminess that goes on at the, the core of power, right? The, the, the heart of power is financial manipulation. Everything else is just – you've got to have the money to pay the, uh, the mercenaries, right? I mean, the police and the military. So, so people have been post- – someone's posted a number of, of Ron Paul speeches where he's, you know, thundering mightily – against the wasteful, spendthrift, uh, economically destructive ways of the U.S. government. And there have been some responses, and I don't want to sound like a cold fish. I totally understand these responses, but I just sort of would like to put them in perspective, at least my perspective. What's useful to you is up to you. But uh, So people are like, yeah, you get them, Ron! <laughs> and when I read this bit out uh, to Christina, there's this bit that... Uh, um, Anderson Cooper had said to the senator, she was like, yeah, you tell them. And I just thought that was kind of interesting because I, I didn't really feel that at all. In fact, I felt a sort of a kind of anger towards, I feel a kind of anger towards Ron Paul, and I also feel an anger towards this Anderson Cooper fellow, which, you know, obviously doesn't prove anything other than <laughs> that I say that I'm angry. But sort of here's why uh, I feel this, and then you can uh, let me know what you think. Now, picture, I'm going to take you on a metaphorical journey, and I think this one might actually work out and be relatively short. So, okay, we're on Pluto, see? And it's 12 BC. No, it's not that complicated. So, if there's someone you know, like some woman is married to some guy, and he's, like, beating the tar out of her uh, every couple of weeks or every couple of days, and she's thundering that he's such a bad guy, and he's such a this, and he's such a that, and, and oh, he's just so terrible, and this goes on and on and on. Well, the speech is going to be very stirring, and it's going to make a lot of people who know that this guy is a jerk say, yeah, you tell him. And that's, I guess, what I don't like about it is it's still a kind of approach to a relationship that still leaves you enmeshed in that relationship, right? So our relationship with the state, if we're thundering and angry against the state, and I'm not saying, of course, that I'm perfectly immune to this, I'm just sort of saying my perspective at the moment, if we're thundering and angry against the state or at the state, then we're still enmeshed, right? We're still not free. We're still... Like, if I, if I was thundering and angry at my mom or my brother or people who've betrayed me in my life, ex-girlfriends or business people or whatever, if I was sort of angry and thundering at these people, then I would be uh, sort of trapped, enmeshed in a negative sort of, uh, sort of situation. And why that's, of course, a shame is that life is short and everything that you spend, every emotional coin that you spend that you sort of throw down a bottomless well is a piece of energy that's taken away and a moment of joy that can never be recaptured because it's already gone. I mean, every second is a second that drains out, like the sand in the hourglass, right, drains away. And if it's not spent being happy, uh, you don't exactly get it replenished later on and say, oh, I'm sorry, I misspent those days or those hours, those years or those decades. I misspent those um, if you could just tack those on at the end, that would be excellent. Like, there's no refund for the money that's pouring out of your pocket in terms of time and life. So, what I would, uh, uh, what I'd like to say about that, sorry, somebody just cut me off, is really kind of distracting. And then you can't help but watch the really bad driver go and do other bad things on the road, so you have to kind of keep your eye on him. 
but it was one of these like uh, any closer and he'd have been uh, wearing a bit of my paint on the corner of his car so um uh, where were we now it was something all right so um so she wants to get him and and we want to get him and so if we're in this metaphor with this woman and she's uh, saying that, uh, oh, this guy, he's, he's so mean, and he's such a drunk, and he's bad to the kids, and he's not a good provider, and he's just corrupt, and he's this, and he's that. And she's really angry. Well, she's not free, right? She's not free. And she might leave him, but she's not free, right? The, the end of a relationship is not anger, and right? The end of a relationship is not anger. It's not uh, bitterness. It's not hostility. I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel those things when you're at the end of a relationship, but when you're done is when you're done, like when you just are indifferent. Not indifferent to the corruption or to the evil, but it no longer dominates you, no longer has a hold over you. You no longer think of that person and your jaw gets tense and your muscles get clenched and you your sphincter gets tighter than a... <laughs> I don't know, something that's really tight. <laughs> ah, so... What I would say is that thinking that people who are in the media or in the government or whatever, that standing up and thundering about how wasteful and corrupt and bad, right? We get these auditor reports in Canada every single year, and it's always the same damn thing. You know, people are spending millions of dollars in, in travel and, 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 uh, and all that and, and questionable or a completely, largely undocumented or completely undocumented. Uh, entertainment requirements, right? Uh, Twelve strip clubs and uh, a rub-down parlor, and uh, we'll call it a uh, provincial conference. And it's always the same, and every single year it's the same, and every single year uh, the newspapers get up in arms, right? And every single year there's a budget where they say, okay, well, we're not going to raise taxes, and then every year they screw us and raise taxes, and then they say, well, we're cutting back on spending uh, on these areas to preserve our spending uh, so make sure we don't go over budget and they cut all these essential services, right? Because always the essential services that get cut because the taxpayers are extraneous to the political process, right? I mean, our, our uh, desires are about taken into about as much into account as uh, the dreams of a cow is to a guy who's looking for some leather and meat. And so then everyone gets up in arms and, oh, this is terrible and it's so corrupt and it's so bad and there's no documents and, oh, it should all be cleaned up and then the ethics commission gets created and, ah, mistakes were made, but we fixed them now and blah, blah. And it just, the whole cycle goes on. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a stupid, sick little wasteful dance. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's the people who are holding us down, the police. There are those people who are screwing us. It's the politicians. There are people who are filming it to send, to sell it to porn sites, which is the media. <laughs> But all of those people are completely trapped, and uh, it's part of a sort of sick dance that goes on, where people complain about the state, and, oh, this corruption, we uh, stop this corruption, it's so bad, and we we should not be printing so many dollars, and we shouldn't, like, yeah, well, so that's never going to change, right? It's never going to change, right? The freedom, freedom comes from giving up on things that aren't going to change, right? So... Oh, we're going to touch a little bit on relationships, just a tiny bit, I promise, and then we'll go right back to all of the political ranting. But in the boards of people have been talking about their relationships, so the men, some of the men are saying, well, ooh, we had these great couple of months at the beginning when the sexual glow was on and we were, you know, I don't know, orbiting the moon around Paris or something. It was all so wonderfully romantic, and it was all great. I just want to get that back, and I, I know that she's corrupt, but, oh, she's going to change. She's going to somehow change and become that wonderful person again, and so on. Now, of course, you're free of corrupt relationships when you give up 
the expectation of change. And it's a very hard thing to give up. But, of course, if we want to be rational people, we have to recognize that change is very rare in the human uh, personality. And even uh, if, it is going to, if it is going to occur, it's never going to occur because of something you want. It's got to be something the other person wants. It's uh, never going to occur in less than a couple of years. And that person is going to be no good in a relationship while, while it's happening, right? So, I mean, if the person's going through a divorce, then they might learn something from being divorced and have better relationships in the future. But they're going to be useless for, I mean, Christina says, and I think she's probably, well, she's usually, she's always right. Who am I kidding? Right? She's right about this. But she says that it takes half the time you were in a relationship to get over the relationship. Right, so if you, and this is right. So if you're in a relationship for five years, you're kind of useless to anyone for five years after you break up. Sorry, ten years, and you're useless for five years. And I think there's some truth in that. I sort of look back on my uh, my own history. Right, so I broke up with a seven-year relationship, and then sort of three or four years later, I met Christina. We got married, and I had some relationships in the middle, but uh, I really was. Uh, they weren't really very great relationships or anything. Not even like fun flings, you know. But so, and this is sort of why I said uh, this morning uh, that uh, every step you take uh, down that road is going to cost you, right? So every day that you're in a relationship that is not going to work out, you are sentencing yourself to being useless in a relationship for uh, the half the time, right? Every day is another half day that you won't be able to date again, right? So it's a day and a half that you're wasting, just just so you know, right? I mean, these are the uh, this is the generally accepted psychological wisdom, and maybe. Maybe, just maybe, it's even been tested. We don't know, although maybe unlikely. It's psychology after all. But uh, certainly it uh, seems to be anecdotally true uh, for myself. And so it's something just to remember, right, that, uh, that this is sort of, sort of important. But if you're sort of raging and angry and this and that, then you're really not free of that corrupt relationship. You're not carrying it on and so on. So that's sort of my, why I get irritated at people who thunder against the state. I mean, you're kind of giving it life, right? You're kind of giving it energy. Whereas state is just this, this dead falsehood, right? It's just this dead, sick, evil falsehood. And so if you, if you, if you think that if, if you think it's going to change or you think that people can change it from the outside, then you're going to thunder against it, but you're, doing, you're wasting your time and you're also unfortunately giving people the mistaken impression that thundering about... A, uh, a sort of self-interested evil social entity with $400 billion worth of, of military hardware to spend every year, then you're kind of missing the boat, I think, as far as understanding what change is. And uh, you're also implicitly blaming people who don't uh, help you change the state. Right? I mean, this is, you, can't, you can't change the state, right? I mean, if you could change the state, then you wouldn't need to get rid of the state. I mean, it's like an alcoholic, right? If an alcoholic could drink and not be a drunk, then he would just be a social drinker and he wouldn't be an alcoholic. That's the thing that you've got to right, accept or understand as, as an alcoholic. You, you can't touch drink. You can't. You can't. Maybe after 20 years you can have a beer or two, but even that's very risky, right? But you can't uh, touch drink and you can't uh, just quit a little bit. You've got to just like quit uh, the whole hawk, right? And so it's a relationship, right? So if people think that they can control their alcoholism, uh, then they'll be forever in this battle of should I drink, should I not drink, should I do this? And then the people around them are going to be caught up in that same thing as well, right? So should this, you know, this person said they, they won't drink, but then they had a drink. Do I do this? Do I do that? It's only getting worse slowly. He says he's going to change, blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't, uh, you can't uh, expect anybody to change, right? That's an absolutely unfair expectation to bring to a relationship, any relationship. And you can't expect the state to change. 
I mean, of all the relationships, you have much more chance. You have much more chance hurting cats than getting the state to change. It's absolutely impossible. The state is not going to listen to you. I mean, it's kind of funny. I got to think those people up there in power. Oh, there's been like I always get this sort of idea in my head that there's this scene of like. I don't know, some young politician comes in and says, oh, there's been a disaster, this public relations nightmare, blah, 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 blah. They're like, oh, forget about it. Nah, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, it'll blow over, give it a week or two. Uh, they'll get onto something new. Yeah, we'll go and apologize. We'll tell them. We'll appoint a new ethics commissioner. and You know, we'll say that uh, we've dealt with it. We appointed the new ethics commissioner. What are you still hopping on this for? Move on. It's old news. Yesterday's story. And uh, so that's... Uh, <laughs> And that's, you know, by the by, while I'm remembering this, sorry, this is a bit of a ramble fest, but I was just thinking about another article I was reading in the paper, and I kind of meant to get round to reading it to you, but I don't know that I'll get a chance because I'm on vacation, so I'll just mention it. There's a, 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 a out in BC, British Columbia, it's like the, uh, it's the California of Canada, right? It's full of all of the, uh, the hippy-dippy left-wingers, and uh, beautiful scenery, of course. But um, there's this, uh, this uh, kid was shot to death by the cops, right? And um, so this young uh, guy, who's like, he's like in his 30s, and he's a politician, he's an MPP. And so he's, uh, of course, everyone's writing to him and saying, you need to get the RCMP, like the Canada's national cops, right? Like the feds, right? So you need to get the RCMP to investigate this crime, right? Because the guy who shot this kid in very suspicious circumstances is still on the force, right? He just got, he got reassigned, right? He's moving someplace new where people don't know him and everything's suddenly virtuous again. And so the family and all these newspaper people and all that are um, going to the cop, uh, going to this politician and saying, "You've got to get the RCMP to do this, that, and the other." And the cops, uh, the the the, um, the politician's pretty open about why he's not doing it. He's like, "Well, because the police are going to screw me over." <laughs> I mean, the police are just going to like the last guy who tried to investigate Canada's national cops. And I bet you this happens in every country too, right? I mean, the police showed up with falsified stuff and got him arrested for this, that, or the other. They combed over all of his records, looked at his internet usage, and you always find something, some damn thing, right? So so basically, this guy got hounded out of office because they, I can't remember, some irregularities they found here, there, or somewhere else, right? And so I mean, the idea that the politicians have any control over the police, to me, is just very funny, right? I mean, it, the politicians are just these empty-headed, grinning, lacquer-haired front men, right? I mean, they get paid off well. And the intellectuals get paid off well, but uh, don't don't have any doubts as to who's really running the show, right? I mean, it's the cops who will, the cops and the uh, soldiers who will totally mess you up if you do anything. And this one, nothing changes, right? Just the idea that that you can speak your way out of all of these, uh, uh, out of this nest of guns pointed at you while people go through your pockets. That you're going to be able to, you know, lecture your way out of that. I just think that's kind of funny, right? I mean, it's sort of missing the whole point. So this woman who's married to the drunk, I haven't forgotten about her, still concerned about the woman married to the drunk. So she's thundering, oh, my husband's so bad, he's got to change, he just drinks too much, he spends too much, he sleeps around, he's just a terrible guy, he's bad, 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 bad. Well, at what point are you going to say, well, why don't you just leave him then? <laughs> no, 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 I'm complaining about him. Well, it doesn't look too convincing to me. It doesn't look too convincing at all. It sort of looks like somebody who enjoys getting on a high horse and thundering against the powers that be, which really gives people a false hope, right? So everyone's like, yeah, you get him, you go girl or boy or whatever. And it's giving people this illusion that somehow you can shame, <laughs> you can shame the government into changing. I mean... I'm sorry, I just think it's too funny for words. 
These people ringed by an unbelievable nuclear military uh, power who can have you thrown in jail, raped from here to eternity for the rest of your natural-born existence, who can imprison you without trial. <laughs> that these people are going to listen to ethics? Oh, my God, please. They probably get uh, stiffies from getting criticized at an ethical level. It probably is some sort of bizarre turn-on to them. So I just think it's funny, like the idea that you're going to shame some senator into whatever, right? Uh, oh, and of course they're going to congratulate you in their self-praise, and all that stuff's going to happen. There's no way around that kind of stuff. But <laughs> I just think it's funny, the idea that someone's going to stand up and thunder about the president, or he's going to thunder about the senator, uh, thunder about the foreign policy, thunder about monetary policy of all the things, too, like anybody, like 1% of, 1 of people know what the hell's going on with that, right? Thunder against the national debt and thunder against poor education and so on. It's like, oh, people, will you wake up? Wiki! <laughs> I mean, there's never, ever, 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 ever going to change. Ever going to change. There is no capacity for unarmed people to morally lecture evil people who have all the weapons. I mean, it is just the funniest idea in the world. And so I just think that governments kill 250 million people last 100 years, just directly. We're not even talking about the indirect deaths, which are probably three to four times that. A billion people killed directly or indirectly. That's like another 60 million for the DDT thing, right, as we talked about before. So, I mean, these are sociopathic mass murderers. Sociopathic mass murderers. And in Canada, yeah, they're to some degree mass murderers. We've got troops all over the place and there's all the rape rooms. But they're more like con artists here, right? Con artists backed up by force, right? They're more like confidence men backed up by force, like kidnappers or whatever, rather than murderers. But they'll get there. You know, the inevitable power of government will grow. They'll get there. Hopefully we'll collapse and redirect uh, social, social awareness before that happens. But you might as well talk nice to Ted Bundy, honestly. I mean, it's just the very idea that you're going to be able to thunder at the government and get it to change is a completely statist notion that somehow the government is under the control of some sort of external force, some sort of lecturing, some sort of moral shaming, some sort of approach somewhere, somehow, in summertime, is going to ever, ever, ever change this ring of uh, thieves, this den of vipers, this, uh, this pack of predators. I mean, <laughs> oh, come on, people. Oh, my heavens. <sighs> and again, I mean... <laughs> For me, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, again, if you think this, and this sort of ties back to the, the podcast we had earlier this week about, oh no, late, late last week about blaming the citizens, I have no problem if you believe that thundering at the government is going to change government behavior. I think that's great. What I'd like you to do, though, is not do it in the, uh, in the halls of Congress, where nobody cares, and not do it on CNN, where nobody cares, and there are no repercussions. What I want you to do is not pay your taxes and then thunder at the cops who come to, to, to collect. Right? That's, that's what I would be really impressed by. If somebody feels that uh, the power of the state, or that the state itself, or those within the state, are open to being shamed into acting better because you're thundering at their moral inequity from the pulpit, fantastic. Then don't thunder at a senator who's not packing a gun. Right? Because that's sort of cowardly, Right? It's like it's like yelling at the mafia guy's old mother in the home. I mean, it's like that sort of. It's, it's even less risky than that. <laughs> it's um, if you really feel 
that you can somehow affect the brutal power of the state through lecturing and moral thundering and pulpit bashing and, uh, oh, the iniquity, oh, the horror, oh, the corruption, blah, 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 then, you know, take it out for a test drive with the real power of the state, which is the guy with a frickin' gun who will shoot you down if you resist arrest. That's the guy you need to convince. Convincing the senator doesn't mean shit, frankly. Because the senator ain't pointing a gun at anybody. He's just a free rider. He's a parasite. If you want to control the power of the state, you've got to get the military to lay down their arms, simply through the force of your eloquence. You've got to get down... You've got to get the cops to put down their weapons. You've got to get the jailers to let the, the uh, prisoners out. You get to get, let the judges make the government illegal and turn everything over to do a DRO society. Those are the people that you actually have to convince. And if you can do that, my God, you have some power. I mean, I think I'm somewhat eloquent, and you've heard me take on a Marine or two. I don't get a... I mean, a religious person or two, and they've called in, and they all chicken out of the conversation, run away, and run back to their guns and their gods. I mean, there's no dialogue that occurs out of that where anybody ever changes their mind oh, they'll change it a little bit under the force you know like you lean into a wind and then when the wind goes away you almost fall over and go oh well I guess I don't need to, don't need to do that anymore I mean so when, when you're full force arguing with someone they might bend just a little bit they might you know sort of sway a little bit and give you some grudging kind of yeah well maybe but, you know, how long does it take for the false self to shore up that cracking wall like a tenth of a millisecond after they stop talking with you? So I just think lecturing the politicians and, and thundering at the the, uh, the internal accountants that run the government's budgets and, and thundering at the, the Fed and thundering at Alan Greenspan, it's like, none of these people are armed. None of them. So what are you yelling at them for? They're just the front men. They're the free riders. They're just cashing in on the guns held at the temples of the rest of us. Right? I mean, the theft is going on because the guys with guns will shoot you if you don't hand over your money. Right? I mean, so if you want to thunder at the state, thunder at the cops. Thunder at them. That's why I do it. How often do I thunder at politicians? I laugh at them. My thunder at the cops and I'll thunder at the military men and the jailers, and the, because they're the ones who have the tasers and the guns and the cattle prods and the, the, the airplanes and the nuclear subs and the nuclear weapons and the scuds. I mean, they're the people who will kill you if you step out of line. They're the firing squad for any nonconformity. They're the rapers, pillagers, destroyers, and uh, despoilers of human life. Some old politician, William C. Byrd from Virginia. What the hell does he have to do with anything? I could take that guy. <laughs> He's like 90. <laughs> Strom Thurmond? When he, what has what that guy got to do? How can that guy threaten us young, strapping, healthy guys? I mean, it's ridiculous. Oh, I mean, this is why you see, right, this, this Anderson Cooper guy, right? I mean, I've only seen him. Like, I've only heard of one interview and seen him in another. It's all I need to know because I'm incredibly prejudiced. <laughs> so all you need to know is that he will thunder, well, I guess not even thunder, he will uh, question the integrity of a senator who's sitting there, uh, you know, unarmed, and then he'll, like, he'll like lick the sideburns <laughs> of the Marine sergeant who's got a weapon. I mean, that's all you need to know about the guy. Ron Paul, 
got to tell you, if you can dig me up stuff where he talks about the evil of the military, I would be most impressed. I would reverse my opinion about that. If he talks, and not, you know, it's a noble military that's being used for bad ends, or I'm against the war, I'm not against the troops. You know what? I'm against the troops. I am against the troops. I don't care. There's no war without the troops. There's no war without the troops. And I'm against the troops, and I'm against the goddamn police who come and take your money to go and pay the troops to go and kill people in your name. So if you've got something from Ron Paul, or I would not so much imagine that Anderson Cooper, who seemed to be wanting to hump the leg of every Marine in sight, is uh, Paula Zahn. You should see her. Oh, my God. You can almost see her... uh, creamer jeans when she's uh, talking to some military guy. That oh, 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 yeah, you tell me more, Big Daddy. But uh, if you can come up with a speech of Ron Paul talking about the evil of the military and you know that they're, uh, uh, we should have a militia or a private military or whatever, I'd be fantastically impressed and have to revise my theory. But what is actually the case is that people end up with this oh-so-brave, oh-so-chivalrous, brave and, and noble uh, desire to uh, chew out uh, accountants and and senators and uh, uh, bureaucrats and teachers and all of this kind of stuff. And they don't even get usually to the point of chewing out the union leaders who can make the cars blow up. And they sure as hell never get to the cops and the military. But, I mean, that's what the state is. William C. Byrd, good Lord. I mean, I could arm wrestle him with my little finger and take him down. And I'm not even that tough. (laughs) But the idea of thundering at the politicians, I just think is kind of funny. And, of course, if people don't want to thunder at the cops and the military, the people who actually have the guns, the people who are the root of state power, right? a guy up on a pulpit uh, making stirring speeches about the war has no power at all. No power at all. What's he doing? He's just up there talking. You should commit to this war as a proud American, and you should... He's just up there talking. You can walk away, you can turn him off, you can yawn, you can fall asleep. So what? Who cares? He's just a windbag. Just a guy chatting away. So who cares? But the reason why you know anybody listens to these guys is that if you don't do what they say, you know, they pass some law or whatever, then you're going to get shot, my friend. You're going to get killed. Or you might wish you were dead if you get thrown into one of the rape ghettos that they call prisons these days. Or, I guess, have ever been called prisons. So, when it comes to thundering against the state, I would say, uh, you know, pick a fight with the people who are really holding us down, right? The people who've got their guns to our neck. You pick a fight with those people, and I, uh, I actually have some respect for that. And if you don't pick a fight with those people, then really you just shut up. Because you're not talking about anything that's any risk to people, right? Some senator self-congratulating himself? <laughs> I mean, really, who did that kill? Who did that kill? In New Orleans, how many people got killed by politicians talking about other politicians? How many of them actually died because of that? I would say, well, precisely zero. However, what if you wanted to turn to a private company rather than the United States Corps of Engineers to build your uh, levees, to build your protective uh, dikes? Uh, we, we, well, you'd get shot, right? Because they'd say, well, sorry, you need to pay your taxes for these, and you can't, and they're the only ones responsible to do it, and if you hire some other company to do it, we'll ban them, we'll send letters, and eventually we'll shoot them, right? That, my friend, gets people killed. Ooh, I got another one. How about the people, largely blacks, who were trying to get out of New Orleans, and unfortunately, the only way they could get out 
was across a bridge and that went into a white neighborhood. And how about, I mean, they're trying to get away from this fetid, cholera-ridden cesspool of third-world human garbage and floating corpses. They wanted to get away from that, and, oh, was there a number of cops and soldiers who forced them back at gunpoint into die among the refuse, the rubble, and the urine-laced water? Yes, I do believe it was. I do believe it was the cops and the soldiers with the guns who pushed the people back into the stinking human filth that was New Orleans. And so Anderson Cooper taken on a senator who did what? Who did what? Who's a gas bag? Who's talking and self-congratulating and so on? Who caused the possess the, the who caused the death of precisely zero people? And he's not going to take on the, the National Guard, the soldiers, the police, who forced everyone back into the, uh, the fetid cesspool. Uh, he's not going to take on the police and the military who forced the people of New Orleans to pay taxes to an incompetent bunch of psychos called, known, the, known as the military, who was supposed to be protecting them. No, 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 no. Let's get mad at the mayor of New Orleans. Let's get mad at this brown fellow. Let's get mad at Bush. Let's get mad at all of these people who aren't even armed. I mean, how crazy is that? You know, it's like getting mugged by someone and saying, I am going to send a really stern note to your mother. That's my self-defense. Oh, I'm telling you, it's madness. Anyway, I'm sure you've had enough of me yelling at you. So I hope that you have uh, a really peaceful and relaxing evening or day. And I always appreciate donations, www.freedomainradio.com. Click on the Donate button. We've had none today. Shocking and appalling. So if you can turn my mood around, I would really appreciate that. And uh, have yourself a great evening. I will talk to you soon.